What's up, Being Lighting Church? Thank you for joining us for today's message on podcast. We pray it blesses you and causes a shift inside of you. Stay tuned for the word. We love you. Amen and amen. amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand, everybody. Amen. amen. Glory to God, church. Amen. Well, still, still, still standing. Of course, still standing, right? Still standing. Come on, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Don't do me like that. Don't play me like that. Come on, don't play me like that. I see some. I see some eighty-year-old youths in the pre- in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, today was great. Uh, uh, I was standing back and I saw I saw Mike punching on them keys. I was like, God save them keys. God save them keys. Um, grateful to God for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Puncher. Take it easy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. I mean, so just Mikey. I was like, I was here pouring out like, like I had, I had onions for dessert. Um, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's just what God does. When God walks into a place, sometimes it's not always, it's not always in the noise, right? Sometimes it's just in that silence that your heart. Has. Sometimes when our hearts are silent and we, we, and we can't hear our thoughts, often we count that as danger, right? But sometimes that's God just calling us and saying, hey, listen, listen to me in this moment, right? God clears out every noise in our head, just, for, just so we can listen to him. And I thank God for this moment. Amen. Amen. Um, before, before we go into what I have today, hold on. Uh, every, every year end, we have what we call like a faith offering that we give, our end of the year offering. And um, last year we had it, it was a Nike Faith, and uh, starting, that was the start of the year. We played videos from a couple of months back. Uh, God told us that every every penny we receive, we were to give it out last year. That was Nike Faith, just do it, Nike, just do it. And this year, um, the word God has given me, right? God gave me a word for this year, Emmanuel, and God has indeed shown himself strong for us. He's been there, Emmanuel, God with us, and God has really been there for us and with us in times we never even like, could imagine. Right, so our Thanksgiving offering this year, I call it Thanksgiving offering because we're not trying to buy a miracle or something with whatever we're giving. We're giving in faith, in appreciation to all that he has done, all that he will do in coming year. Amen. Amen. So um, our giving runs from, I mean, from I guess from this week up until the last Sunday before uh, Christmas. And uh, I'm just saying it now because I may forget. We might, of course, there'll be info on that later during the week. But um. It's a great, it's a great chance to really key in and lock your faith into that which God is doing, right? In this ministry, in this church, in, in our lives, Amen. Amen. So, uh, yeah. So, are you ready for the word? Yes. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Um, right now, let's run real quick. I'm sorry, I'm stirring y'all up. Um, Matthew fourteen, Matthew fourteen, she's in front of me and still, I don't know. Matthew fourteen, and we start from verse twenty-two. Matthew 14 and in verse 22, the laptop just said, where is your Bible? Matthew 14, everybody's looking up to the screen, can you imagine? Matthew 14 and we'll start from verse 22. I see my friend at the back. <laughs> He's looking at me. Matthew 14 and verse, start from verse 22. And he says, um, as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and to go to the other side of the lake, while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. And after the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up the hills to pray. And as night, as, sorry, as night fell, he was there praying alone. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Y'all permit me. I gave, I gave, 
I gave um, um, those guys like a different Bible version, and I kind of like forgot. So I'll start again. I'm so sorry. We'll start again. Are we there? Yeah. All right. So Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And why he dismissed the crowd? So why he dismissed the crowd? After he had dismissed them, he went up on, on mountainside by himself to pray. Later that, later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the, by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. That's miraculous. Just imagine if I do that now, everybody's going to run out. Now, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Somebody say, take courage. Take courage. It is I. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, um, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down, got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when the wind, when he saw the wind, I love that. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? Amen and amen. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Now you may be seated. <laughs> 80 year old. 80-year-old youths in our church. Amen. Mm. Glory to God. Uh, so, last couple of weeks now, I've been preaching. Okay, besides last week. By the way, who was here last week? You were here last week, and you had that leadership conversation, like the whole Erasmus. It was really beautiful, right? Now, um, now so let's keep last week, right? Other two weeks before that, two Sundays before last week's Sunday, I've been preaching um, a kind of series. I didn't know it was going to turn out to be a series, but it was. It turned out it was a series. What can I do? Uh, and I uh, I spoke about one dude. Remember, I spoke about Potter's field of clay. I spoke about, uh, um, sorry, help me. God help me. Potter's field of, of clay. Those who were here, please help me. I spoke about for broken people. I spoke about Potter's field of clay. I spoke about Judas. I spoke about Peter. Right? The next following Sunday, kind of like stayed on Peter a little bit. And uh, today, I feel like, I feel like God kind of like has more for us. Right? Uh, I, I, honestly, I know it's creepy to like preach the same from the same text over and over again. But um, I don't know. Can I just preach you one last time? I promise it's going to be the last time. Can I preach you one last time? That's not a rhetorical question for me to say. Can I preach you one last time? Yeah. I, I promise you this is going to be the last time. I promise you I won't preach it again. Never till Jesus comes. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but um, I just really feel like, you know, there's this popular popular saying that the bottom of the pot contains most of the ingredients right and this is like a bottom of the pot sermon amen, amen. this is a bottom of the pot sermon and i'm pretty sure of what god has for us amen now excuse me i'm sorry my, my nose is still like acting up oh no come on come on conform um if you if you've never heard of peter before um, you never, you've never heard the dude. I mean, the only thing you've heard of the dude probably was him walking on water, and he sank at some point, um, which is a very bad thing, by the way. I mean, I think that's a bad. I think it's like a bad rap, in Jesus, like to Jesus' name, right? I mean, imagine Jesus come healing somebody, and the moment and the person celebrates a little bit, and the person goes back to your sickness, right? That's like a bad thing, right? So it's almost like the same thing with Peter. Jesus said, "Walk on water," and then Peter stayed walking on water, and then at some point, he stayed sinking. Right, so like Jesus, what happens going on here? Your anointing failing or something? Uh, do you need to recharge a battery or something? So like, I think this is like a bad rap. I don't know if it's just me. I feel like this is a bad rap to Jesus' ministry. If we, if we um, if this was the only miracle Jesus permitted, I'm sorry, I said permitted, performed in the entire Bible. I think this is a bad miracle. 
right? Someone walked on water and started sinking. Like, Jesus, what's going on here, dude? What's going on, right? So, um, just so we don't sell Jesus as a bad guy and really he's not a bad guy, and that we don't sell Peter as a bad guy also. Because if, if you look at it, when Jesus said, um, Peter, okay, what happened? You, we just read it. Jesus said, um, I mean, Peter said, um, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. And Jesus said one word, come. As a matter of fact, Jesus never said, come, Peter. He only said, come. That was a blank check. Anybody who wanted to come, on, come along with him. But only Peter came out. Right? But now we will blame the guy for sinking. We'll forget to celebrate him for walking. Amen. It's so crazy how we live in a world that will label people due to their worst, weakest moments. Right? And we forget to celebrate them at the highest points. This dude was the only one. He had 12 freaking men. Not just boys. Men in that boat. And only one dude said, you know what? I'm going to just walk on the water. Try it out. I'm going to just I'm gonna see for myself. And he tried, he did walk a couple of meters, although he sank. But he still walked. Amen. Amen. And we live in a world where people will praise you. I mean, people would, sorry, people would, people would blame you and point fingers at you for every scandal. But they are never there when you're doing great. They don't clap for you when you're doing well, right? Nobody claps for you when you're, man, that boy, he really tried, man. He shows up in, certain, in church every day. Nobody talks about that. Only when the boy stops serving God. Only when the boy declares that he's an atheist at some point on Instagram. And everybody's talking about it. When the boy, boy was coming to church every Sunday, mopping the floors before y'all came, no, nobody celebrated it. Only when he decided to like be different, and you saw him at his weakest point. Now we label people due to their weakest moments. Amen. Amen. So I don't want to do that, right? And I'm not going to do that. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's show this boy strength a little bit, right? Now I want us to go back to. I'm sorry, we're going to be going power, power, power into Bible scriptures today. I hope y'all are, y'all are ready. Now the book of um, Luke chapter five. I spoke about this from this same passage. I'm preaching the same passage for almost three weeks. God of heaven. God of heaven. Luke chapter 5. And we'll start from the first verse, right? Um, it says that one day is Jesus. Y'all remember Jesus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so y'all remember Jesus. And no, okay. One day Jesus was walk, standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Hold on, we'll go back. He got into one of the boats. He didn't even ask. He didn't do any mini mini mo. Who wants this boat? Just didn't run a pole saying, who wants this boat? Oh, I need a boat. He didn't just scream, I need a boat. He just got into one. It's crazy, right? Just didn't even ask for permission. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Wow, Jesus, you're commanding the owner of the boat now? Come on, Jesus, take it easy. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Someone answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught a thin. But because you say so, somebody say, because you say so, I will let down the nets. All right, this is what you about. That was what I was calling me. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Y'all remember when I said something about nets breaking, broken nets and brokenness? I preached that some weeks ago, broken nets and brokenness. And I said beneath Peter's broken nets, Jesus saw his brokenness. Right? That's a whole sermon. If you want to listen to me, it's available on podcast. I won't preach my sermon again. It's another week, another thing. All right? And verse, um, verse 7. So they signal their partners. And this is where I'm closing in on. So they signal their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen, sinful man, Peter. Um, what 
kind of like what flew to me when I saw this, when God showed me this, right? Was that um, we, 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 we've read two passages of scripture now. We read um, Matthew, right? And now we read Luke. And we see different scenarios, right? We see in Matthew 14, verse 30, you see Peter sinking. And in Luke 5, we see Peter catching fish and then his boat there to sink. Da, 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 da. But here's the truth, right? And this is what I discovered. It was that what happened in Luke 5 was only a symbolic repre representation of what was to happen in Matthew 14. By the way, for context, Luke 5 was the first time Peter was missing Jesus. But even at the first time Jesus met Peter, Peter Jesus already saw something that Peter was going to do later in Matthew 14. What do I mean? I tell you this, right? Jesus saw Peter sink even before he actually sank. Peter's boat started sinking in what? In Luke 5. And guess what? Matthew 14, 30. Guess what happened to Peter? He started to sink also. So Jesus was not exactly caught unaware, I mean, caught or caught by surprise when he saw Peter sink in Matthew 14. Because that was not the first time Peter was sinking. Are you, are you listening to this? Yes. That was not the first time Peter was sinking. Peter started sinking in his boat. When the brother had the great harvest of fishes that he had just caught into his boat. The Bible says his boat started to sink. Right? So Peter began to sink from Luke 5. And he sank in Matthew 14 also. Now my first question is where have you been sinking? Right? Where exactly have you been sinking into it's not like you want to sink, but sometimes the, the weight and the burdens we carry in life are just so much that we cannot exactly bear them on our own, and then we begin to sink. Because in, 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 Luke, in, in Luke 5, we just read, Matthew's, I'm sorry, Luke, I'm sorry, what am I saying? Peter's boat, right, began to sink due to the weight of his catch. But in Matthew 14, guess what? He didn't catch no fish, but guess what? Guess what? Peter began to sink in Matthew 14 due to the weight of his doubts. I... In Luke 5, right? Peter was, Peter's boat began to sink due to the weight of his catch. And in Matthew 14, 30, he was sinking due to the weight of his doubt. Right? I know for the, for the sermon gigs, people will take notes, love to take notes in certain church. That's the first batch of people will be going to heaven anyway. I know, it's, I know you find it crazy, but that I haven't given my sermon title yet. But I don't want to give it yet. Y'all will have to wait till the end, right? To hear my sermon title. Is that okay? Yes. Everybody said, no, I don't care. That's, that's what I already planned. Amen. Now, but here's the crazy thing, right? Peter caught, what, fishes in Luke 5, and he started to sink. In Matthew 14, he caught doubts, and he started to sink. He caught, I, I, sometimes, I feel like timing my sermon at some point, catch doubts or caught doubts or something like that. Right? I know it sounds very creepy. I know. That's what I, I thought about it. I didn't exactly want to do it. Right? But imagine, I don't know what I've been catching recently. Because we live in a life, in a world where every... Every day, people are throwing news at us. I mean, just some days ago, we heard the news of something, something that happened, and some, some, someone was in coma, and da, 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 da. I don't want to talk about it. But that's also in news. And they were throwing it, right? And some of us have been catching, some of us, we, the, the reason we feel, we, we've been feeling bad about ourselves are because of some of the things people have thrown at us that we caught. Some of us, people have thrown bad labels at us, and we've caught them. And now we cannot bear them, we cannot bear the weight of those things, we began to sink. Is this making sense, please? Mm -hmm. Some of us have been sinking due to the weight of our, not catch of fishes this time around, our doubts. And it's the same thing with Peter. He saw, I mean, he began to sink due to the weight of his doubts. Now, I want you to go back to, um, that, look, to um, that part in Matthew 14, verse 30. Matthew 14, 30. There's something I want to show you there. 
Matthew 14, 30. Can we have that? Okay. Oh, God, help us today. Right, you're doing a great job. Don't worry. Matthew 14, 30. I think it's back. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was 14, 30. It says, but when? It's not really but when. All right. All right. It says, but when? Okay, I've seen it. This is it. Now, it says, but when he saw the wind. This is Peter. But when Peter saw the wind, it was afraid and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but you can't exactly see wind, all right? Bible, I mean, maybe Bible made it on there, I don't know. But you can't exactly see wind. You can feel it, though. You can't see it. You can only feel it. I mean, if you've ever seen the wind, I don't know, maybe I have more scripture people in my church, but if you've ever seen the wind before, let me see your hand. No hand up. Everybody's equal height of spirituality. Nobody's more than the other person here. But nobody ever sees the wind. But it's really here that Peter saw the wind and then he began to sing. He didn't see it, right? I wish I can tell correct Bible writers that he didn't see it. He only felt it. He didn't exactly see it. But ain't it crazy that the enemy would, the enemy attacks Peter's faith via the door of his feelings. The enemy crept into Peter's heart via the door of what he felt. And now he started to think that what he felt was what he saw. I don't know if this is making sense. We can't exactly see the wind. We can only feel the wind. True. So the enemy crept into Peter's heart and made him doubt, made him lose faith by attacking his feelings. Because here's the thing. The enemy cannot change anything that God has spoken concerning you. Right? The enemy cannot... God, Jesus already told Peter to come. And the devil cannot change that. So one thing the enemy will do is what? He will creep in via the door of feelings and make you not feel like the one who has just been called to come. Is this, is this making sense at all? The enemy would, he would creep in via the door of feelings, right? And he would attack your faith. Because he knows that... Here's the thing. The enemy knows very much that somehow we are humans and we have feelings. And often we allow our feelings to decide or rule over our judgments. So what he does is he cannot affect our judgments, right? Neither can he affect God's promises. So what he does, he just, he just, takes, away the, just takes away our feelings. And the moment he moves our feelings, our faith crumbles. Is that making sense? So the enemy got, in, got, got Peter's attention to leave Jesus' face. Because the Bible says he was looking to Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and focused on the wind, he started to sink. So the enemy has what? Has, has attacked Peter's faith via his feelings. Because in Luke 5, where we read earlier, right? We, we saw all that had just happened, right? And after all that had just happened, we... we we, we find Peter doing what he draws back, right? And he does something that someone who had just witnessed, witnessed such a great miracle probably wouldn't have in the first place. He said, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Isn't that crazy? But the thing is, and this is, what I'm, this is one of the, things, the major points in my sermon today, right? If you're taking notes or whatever. The only reason that happened was because, and the same thing happened in Matthew 14 happened, was because Peter became more away, aware of what he couldn't control. The enemy has been trying to get you fixated on what you cannot control. Think about it. I, Peter could not control the wind. 
Neither could Peter control. The enemy has been trying to get you fixated on what you cannot control of life. Things you cannot control. People you cannot control. He's been trying to get your attention on those things. Because you know, at the moment he gets you to focus on that which you cannot control, you start getting frustrated. And that's what, that's what creeps in. When you cannot control a certain, certain circumstance, you start to what? To feel frustrated. The enemy has been trying to get you fixated on your addictions, probably. Because, and because she knows that you can't exactly control it. And I know, I'm speaking from experience, sometimes I don't, I don't, of course it's my fingers that are scrolling through that screen and watching that video. But the truth is that the desires have more power over me in that moment. And then the enemy will get me fixated on that, the fact that I have no control over it. And I start to hate myself. And I start to, this is the point, I start to assume that just because I have no control over it, right, that that makes me who I am. Wow. The enemy makes you feel like just because you cannot, you could not control that desire, you could not control that lust, or you could not control yourself, that that's just who you are. Someone who cannot be controlled. Then the enemy tries to convince you that you were born loose. You were born like that. You just cannot change people. You just cannot change that. And that's who you forever will be. The enemy now tries to, here's the thing, here's what I have, here's, listen to this. The enemy tries to slap your identity on your performance. Right? Just because I perform this way, means I am that person, or I am that thing. So he has been trying to get you fixated on, what, on stuff you cannot control. That's how the enemy attacks Peter's faith. He knew that Peter could not control the wind, so he set his eyes on it. The enemy just... I don't know how to... I, I kind of run out of words in my dictionary right now. He swept Peter's focus away from Jesus. Right? And he did what? He made him focus on what? His fears. And his fears was in the wind. He could not control the wind, and so the enemy made him focus on it. Is this making sense? Is it making sense though? Yeah. Because in Matthew 14, right where we're at right now, just now, right? His attention was on the wind, which he couldn't control. And in Luke 5, where we read earlier also, his attention was on his brokenness, which he couldn't fix for himself either. The enemy has been trying to get you focused on those things in your life that you cannot do on your own. And the moment you are more fixated on those things, things you cannot change. I cannot break this habit. I cannot break this cycle. I cannot break this, this generational curse. I cannot, do, I cannot do all of these things. I cannot. I cannot. And the moment you start thinking that you cannot, you cannot, and your attention is on you cannot, you cannot, then you start to think that you were not meant to. I don't know if this is making sense. This is getting across the room. People at the back. This is reaching out. Yeah. All right. But... And this is, this is the most beautiful part of everything, right? Jesus is literally standing a couple of meters away from Peter. Literally standing right in front of Peter. Right? And the, what got Peter walking a couple of meters or steps was because his focus was on Peter, uh, was on Jesus. And here's the thing. And I have to tell you this. The enemy has been trying to truncate your focus. Or better still, the enemy has been trying to change it. Because the enemy knows that your faith is drawn through focus. Those two F's are very good, right? Faith and focus, those two F's go together. The enemy has been trying to truncate or affect your faith via the door of your focus. And the moment the enemy is able to shift your focus, he affects your faith. He cannot change what God has spoken concerning you. God says you are loved. God says you are chosen. God says you are marked. God says he has given you talents. But the enemy will now do what? He will try to change your focus. Right? So you, can, you, so you can start to doubt all that, all that God has spoken concerning you. Many of you right now probably, I don't know, 
you have talents, you, you got gifts, you got all of this thing God has blessed you with. But yes, you still doubt. You doubt yourself these days. Right? I'm talking to a doubter now. Right? You, you doubt yourself. You don't even think you're that gifted anymore. Right? Not, 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 not like you're not. You just, you just don't think you can make it anymore. What's the point of everything? Right? I mean, not, I'm, I, I'll tell you a story. Right? So this year, I declared that this year is going to be um, the year of Emmanuel. I remember the first day I announced that. It was actually a Saturday service. We're, we're not having Sunday services back then. It was just a Saturday service. In that little hall, I said, um, the word God has given me for the year 2021 is Emmanuel with an I. That's how I said it. <laughs> with an I. Amen. Someone echoed it from the back. That's how I said it. Right? And um, that was very great. We all, you know, we all know what Emmanuel means. God with us, right? And literally, about two or three weeks after I declared that, I, was, I became very depressed. I mean, very, very depressed. I sunk into that sea of depression. And guess what? Guess what happened? Someone who I thought, um, we started this ministry together. They'll be there for me. Right through it all. And da, 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 da. You know, we would ride together, die together. You know, bad boys for life, whatever thing. The person literally left me and never called back. The person literally left me without even saying goodbye. Literally, till day. I've never, I've not, I haven't spoken to the person till day. person just called me off. Like that. And I was very depressed. The same me who announced Emmanuel. God is with you. Listen, that was the promise of God. I am going to be with you. No matter who lives, no matter who comes. I will be with you. But the enemy will shift your focus off of the promise. Right? To stuff you cannot control. Listen, you cannot control what people think about you. Do you believe that? I feel like I'm the only one preaching this up here. Come on, Emmanuel. You're preaching right You're preaching real good. You're preaching real good. You're preaching real good, son. Listen, the enemy cannot, you, will, you cannot control what people think about you. You cannot control who comes and who goes. But the enemy will keep you fixated on, the, on those things. And I started thinking that to myself, maybe I'm a bad person. Maybe I just don't know how to keep, I don't know how to keep friendship or mental relationships. Maybe I'm just a bad person. Maybe I'm leading them the wrong way. And then just because of that happening, the enemy starts to like slap your, your or, or slap your identity on those things. Right? Just because they left, maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm a bad person. Maybe I just don't know how to keep a friendship. Maybe I don't know how to maintain a relationship. And the enemy will slap your identity on those things. That's what he's been trying to do. The enemy has been trying to make you feel bad. Because here's the thing. If the enemy cannot get you busy, guess what he does? He makes you bad. He makes you feel bad. Right? He makes you feel bad. Because he knows now that, hey, this guy, this guy, this girl is about to start walking in the promise. Now he's going to try to make you feel bad. Right? He's going to make you try to feel like this is my identity. That my identity is not my performance. And just because I, did well, I didn't do well means I'm not the right person for it. Right? Just because I didn't sing well, I didn't hit the right notes means I should probably quit music. Maybe because I just didn't do well in school, then probably I should give up. That's what the enemy has been trying to do. He's been trying to, make, he's been trying to slap your identity on your performance. Right? He's been trying to like, get you to think that. And that's what he does. Because he knows that he cannot change the promise. So what does he do? It changes, your it changes your focus. It sets your focus on what you cannot control anymore. It sets your focus on people. People will speak and speak and speak and speak. And some of y'all have lost faith just because of what people have said. Some of you doubt yourself now just because of what people have done. Some of you, some of you, you doubt yourself just because of... I mean, think about it. And this is the craziest part of, this, of, what, of what I read, right? What I discovered in Matthew 14. It was that... Really, if you think about it, the sea was already boisterous. If I don't mind, I could have boisterous. The sea was already raging. 
before Peter started to walk on it. Are you listening? As a matter of fact, the only reason Jesus could still meet them on the water was because the sea was raging in the first place. Right? Oh, now, did, they not, did Peter not notice that the sea, while he was still in the boat? How come he got on the water, took a few steps, and then noticed the sea? I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're catching this. The sea was already there. The storms were already raging. But Peter did not notice that in the boat until he started to step out. Listen, the enemy knows that. Listen, the moment you start to walk on God's promises, the enemy knows that he cannot stop it. So the only thing he wants to do is what? Distract you. The enemy has been trying to distract some of y'all this week. He's been trying to get your focus off of the one who has called you to come, off of Jesus, and he's been trying to make you focus on what you cannot control. You cannot control the likes. You cannot control the comments. You cannot control who follows who on, or who unfollows on Instagram. Even if you release a video begging everybody to follow you, you really cannot control who does. But the enemy will get you so fixated on these things. I mean, this is, I said this many times. I'm still going to say it again for anybody who wants to, who cares to know. This is one of the reasons I had to uninstall WhatsApp earlier this year. I felt like I was literally drawing my validation from this thing. Who comments? If I post a picture, nobody comments on it. I feel bad. I mean, it sounds crazy and creepy, but it is true. Somehow, the reason we do all this is not just so we can have fun with it anymore. It's because that's where we get our validation from. I said, we don't want to be honest. But God and his truth, that's it. Right, I was drawing my, I was drawing my life from this thing. Like, I mean, who's liking? Who loves? Who likes my sermon this week? Who comments on my sermon? Who's reposting my sermon this week? Right, and I was literally get, drawing my life from this place. And then when people were, when it started to decline, guess what? Then my faith started to dwindle also, because my focus was not on the right thing. My focus was now on what I couldn't control. Some of y'all have been really focused on what you can't control. Really. You can't control people's reaction. You can't control who likes you, who doesn't. But not just because they don't like you, you feel bad. Just because they don't accept you, you feel like you're not loved. Just because you don't feel loved. And then you, now you are assuming that just because you don't feel loved, it means that you're not loved. And that you're not accepted into the kingdom of God. And just because you did, you did bad somewhere, or just because you don't feel good, you assume you're not talented enough. The enemy has been trying to get your faith to shift, I mean your focus rather to shift so you can crumble your faith. Is this making sense? At the back, is it making sense? Yeah. Y'all at the middle, is it making sense? Y'all yeah. up front, is it making sense? Yeah. My man, is it making sense, MJ? I had to like ask. The one on my left hand. I believe the guy on the left hand on the left hand side of Jesus was the one who made it to paradise. So Amen. So the enemy has been trying to get you fixated on stuff you can't control. And now, for me and for y'all, this is my word of encouragement, right? Because I, I believe that this was what served as um, a miracle in both scenarios. Luke 5, sinking boat, Peter, and Matthew 14, sinking Peter in a sandal kind of situation. Anyway, those two scenarios, right? I believe this, was, this, served, this thing I'm about to say served as a miracle in both positions. Right? Before, before, before I said that, before I say it, rather, um, at the back, as worship was going on, I tell y'all, I tell y'all, this is a very transparent church. We're going to tell you how it really is. We're not going to like fake it or slap a perfect label on it. I'm going to be very honest. So at the back earlier, I was kind of feeling anxious, right? And um, you, know, you know when God corrects you in a way that is so true, it kind of humbles you immediately, <laughs> right? That's kind of what I had. 
right? I, I couldn't really, I just knew it was God. He wasn't like sounding so loud or something. It was not like, oh, I just kind of heard it from inside. And it was, I literally heard God say one, it's a one-liner. God is the one-liner God, right? It is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, one-liner. I mean, you can say a whole paragraph, of course, a whole passage, right? But sometimes one line is more powerful than one chapter. And this is what I heard. I, I kid you not, God said this. Because I was really anxious. Is God, is anybody going to come today? Is nobody going to come? Who's going to come, God? Who's not going to come, God? And God said this to me. And this kind of has been um, a problem that I've had. Like, this has been a problem since the beginning of the church. I'm always worried who's going to come, who's not going to come. By the time I come here, I'm mentally exhausted, worrying who's not coming, who's coming. And then I preach, and then I hate myself for preaching bad just because I, and then I start to assume that just because I preach bad or I felt like I preach bad, then I, I'm a bad preacher. And then the enemy has been trying to get, slap that label of bad preacher on me. I told my mom before we started the service, the enemy has been trying to slap lots of labels on me. Right? You're a bad person, you're a bad preacher, you do not do this just because I felt like that. And so I've been worrying, you know, who's going to come, who's not going to come, all that. And um, I heard God say this. That's it. Um, who are you expecting? People or God? Who? Who? Okay. <laughs> I kid you not. That's what I heard God say. Who are you expecting? People or God? And that humbled me. I didn't even know. Where, I, didn't, I, I literally didn't even know what to start. I said, God knows. Wow. I've been focusing on people I could not exactly control. I mean, I can control. I can, we're not, humans are not robots. I cannot control someone and draw them from their house to church. Right? So I've been focused on what I could not control. And that's what the enemy has been trying to do. Some of your, your focus has been on your past. Something you can't control. Future also. You can't control. And here's the thing. The enemy will get you so fixated. Because here's the thing. Your past and your present. I mean your past and your future. They are both fiction. Because they only exist up here. Do you know that? Your past, what happened two minutes ago. And what's going to happen two minutes after. Or two minutes to come. Only exists up here. You believe that? Y'all are looking at me like, Jesus Christ. Y'all looking at me so funny. Your past, what happened two minutes ago, and what happens two minutes from now, all exists in your head. Fiction. Past fiction, I mean, past fiction, future, fantasy. And the enemy will get you so fixated on fantasy. The enemy has been trying to get you fixated on fantasy. Things you can't control. Things you can only imagine. Mm -hmm. And your attention is so much on fictions and fantasies that you miss out on right now. The enemy has been trying so hard to get you to miss out on right now. The enemy has been trying so hard to get you to miss out on right now. The enemy has been trying to get you, it's so hard to get you to miss out on right now. Because you are focused on who I used to be. It's on who you used to be. Right? I did something bad two minutes ago, that's who I am. Or I'm expecting something in the future, or this is my da, da 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 Right? You cannot control what happened in the past. Not like you what comes in the future. The only thing you can control is where? Right now. The only thing you can control, the only place you can control, the only thing in the universe you can control is right now. Not, late, not two minutes from now. Right now. But the enemy will not want you to control now. Here's the thing. He will make you focus on the future, which you can't control either, so you can wreck it from now. Because whatever you do right now affects two minutes from now, right? So he will make you focus on two minutes from now, and then he will do what? He would make, he, once your focus is shifted from right now to two minutes from now, guess what happens? You're right now, what happens right now? What controls right now? He starts to control your right now. 
And that's why your worst case scenarios always happen. You play that thing plays in your head, worst case scenarios. Like, I mean, I don't know about anybody, but my worst case scenarios are always violent. And my worst case scenarios always play within myself, and my brother. Right? I'm gonna be very honest. My worst case scenarios sometimes I'm already imagining. It's just going to walk up to me. It's going to spew nonsense. And I'm just going to take it. I literally, Undertaker, Undertaker. I don't know. It's like a place in my head. Like, choke slam, um, body slam, um, cannonball. I just, all these things just playing out in my mind. What, what, what's case scenarios? I'm just imagining that person is going to come and say nonsense. And oh, God of heaven. I'm just going to let, let the fact that I'm a child of God slide. And I'm going to whoop their butts. All right, God. Worst case scenario, she just plays. And the only reason sometimes it literally does happen at the end is because the enemy will make you so fixated on those things that you can't exactly control. You can't control people's responses either. Sure. So let me tell you something. Some of you, the reason you, you, you've drawn away from people just because some people in the past failed you, right? And now you assume that everybody's meant to fail you like that. And here's the thing. What you project is what you attract. If you keep projecting that, you keep attracting it. Like you keep attracting people who will fail you. Because that's what you keep on projecting. And even when people who would not fail you come, you will project the same thing on them. Is it making sense? Yeah. And so your past, you can't change it. You cannot change it. You can't go back there. There's no time machine. There are no time machines yet. You can't, you can't go back to your past and change it. And future also, you can't change it also. But if you keep projecting instead of living in the present, you would only wreck the future you imagine. And sometimes the worst case scenarios that plays in your mind will definitely play out in real life because you did nothing to change it. Are, are y'all getting this? Yeah. Are you getting this? This is like a bottom part like thing, all right? So I was going to say something, right? I was going to say that in these two scenarios, Luke 5 and Matthew 14, what stands out for me was what, when I discovered that in Matthew 14, right, when Paul Peter was sinking, right, Jesus was close enough to catch him. When Peter was sinking in that sea, Jesus was close enough to catch him. In Luke 5, verse 8, when Peter was saying, ah, oh, get away from me, da, 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 I'm a sinful man, Jesus was also close enough to deliver Peter from himself. Sure. Is this making sense? Mm -hmm. Jesus was close enough to catch Peter when he was sinking in the sea, Jesus was close enough to catch, to, to catch Peter when he was sinking in his brokenness. Jesus was close enough. Listen, God is close enough. God is right here, right now. God is here right now. Not just in this building. Of course he is. And I can feel him. I don't, I don't see him. You don't. But we feel his presence. Right? He's right here, right now. But not just in your best moments. Even in your weakest moments also. Jesus did not look at Peter sink from a distance, saying, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, anyway, he's God. So he doesn't, he just say, oh myself, oh myself. Oh man, oh man. Oh my gosh. Um, you know what? We're just gonna, we're just, we're just gonna let him sink. I'm gonna replace him. All right. Disciples, this never happened. All right. Can we just bounce? <laughs> right? I mean, that was an accident. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus does not see you sinking from a, from a distance. Because here's the thing. Both at your greatest moments and at your lowest times and points, he's always right there to catch you. True. Jesus is always right there to catch you. Amen. Jesus is always right there to do what? To catch you. Amen. When you're sinking in depression, sinking in doubt, he's always right there to what? To catch you. He's always right there to catch. That's the beautiful thing about this passage. God is always right there to catch you. But you think you're alone. 
You think you're going to sing. Like the song in Evan Hansen. I don't remember, I don't remember the song. My man at the back will remember this. It was something about the fact that he said, um, nobody's coming. Something like that. I don't remember. That's all. That's all, that's all the re reference to Evan Hansen. I'm not promoting the movie anyway. But we keep on assuming that nobody, nobody's going to come. It's always going to be like before. And we're just going to sink in this one and we're going to drown. But we forget that God is always there. God does not look at you drowning from a distance and say, that's your portion. That's what you, got. That's what you get for doing this for doubting me. It's always close enough to catch you. Christ is always... You, while, you were close, while you were catching doubts, you know what? Christ is catching you. Amen. While you are there catching doubts, right? And catching fishes that will only wear you down. Catching relationships that will only wear you down. Christ is there catching you. Peter caught doubts. Christ caught Peter. God is always close enough to catch you. Even when you sing, he's always close enough to what? To catch you. He's always close enough to catch you. I mean, he's close enough. He was close enough to call Peter the rock. On this rock, I will be my church and the gates of hell will, will not prevail against it. Right? He was close enough to do that. And was also close enough to catch Peter when the earth beneath him, I mean, the water beneath him gave way to him. It was, Christ is always close enough. Right? Christ is not that part. Christ is not an it's not, it's not a hypocrite. Fake people will only celebrate you at your best moments. Right? The point fingers and your worst moments. Right? Isn't that what happens? Fake people celebrate you at your best moments. The, the point fingers and they curse you out in your, in your lowest moments. In your low, peak, I mean, the lowest, I mean, nadir seasons. That's what fake people do. They point fingers and they, they, they accuse you, they blame you, they speak bad about you. And we live in a world that celebrates, we speak about scandals so much that we forget that this person who you're speaking about had some good moments. Right? We, we, we just, we, we, I mean, myself and my guy at the back, we're, my friend, we're talking the other day about something that happened. And I was like, this dude is a very nice guy. He's a very humble guy. But everybody's good to point fingers. I mean, we are, we are, we are blessed with an anointing, right? And it's not the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a, point, it's a finger pointing anointing. It's so fast. We don't even need to pray about it. We don't need to speak in tongues. It just, it just comes out of us like, like our noses are literally pointing out. Just pointing and blaming and pointing fingers of blame on people. That almost looks like a dance step. Actually, I just said that in my head. I'm sorry. But it's so crazy, right? How swift we could just blame this guy and label this guy. Right? We speak about this same Peter. This same Peter who Christ said, on this rock I will be my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some hours after that, guess what happened? He denied Jesus. That's a very bad rap again. That's a, this is a bad... I think sometimes if you think about... I mean, is it, Peter, Peter looks like a, a bad investment. Bad investment plan. You're literally investing in someone who is not even returning anything. It's only... This same Peter knew that Jesus had to die. And guess what? He caught the, he caught the ear of someone right there. And Jesus, he performed the miracle. I'm, I'm guessing, if, Peter, if Jesus was me, thank God I'm not Jesus. Because if I were Jesus, I would have fired a lot of y'all. But Peter, but Jesus, Jesus looked at Peter and, I mean, if I were Jesus, I'd be like, oh, dang it, man. He always tries to ruin everything. Where did I even get you from? Who's your father? Who's your mother? I'm going to just rebuke you and send you back to the moon. But even Jesus didn't. He just sealed the guys here back. Because the same person who would sink twice, who had broken nets and broken nets, do you remember that? The same person who would be called, who would be called the rock, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, mm -hmm. right? On this church, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
the same guy who will deny Jesus will be the one who will stand up in Acts 2. When the power of the Holy Ghost descended on all disciples. And he will be the leader of the first church. This same guy. Listen, Christ does not care what you did. Christ does not care of all, about all your flaws. No. Even we keep on failing every day. But even when we fail, his grace superabounds. When we fail, his grace superabounds. When we fail, his grace superabounds. When we don't act nice. I've been so fixated on perfect, perfect, perfect. I want people to be perfect. I want their service to be perfect. And I want everything to just bang, bang, pow, pow, pow. Everything, everybody perfect. Everybody wants a perfect lady, perfect guy. Nobody wants someone who, who snorts in their sleep. Nobody wants stuff like that. Nobody wants people who don't even know how to laugh in public. Everybody wants a perfect person. Right? And we are so uh, focused now, will not be on perfect, perfect, perfect. We forget that nobody was born perfect. And even the best of all, the best of us all, not Jesus, the best of us all, I don't know who that person is, is progressing. Right. Nobody's born perfect. I, I say every time, I'm not born perfect. I'm a progressing person. Mm-hmm. Right? I still got my flaws. I still lose my temper. I delete those numbers and I add them back because they're not, they were not nice to me. I mean, I do it because I'm imperfect. I got flaws. But if, I, if my attention is on finding the perfect person, this, I'm not, this is not supposed to be a relationship talk. But let me say this anyway. If your attention is on finding the right person, I mean, sorry, the perfect person, man, you're going to be 120 years old and you're going to be unmarried. <laughs> if your attention is on looking for the perfect, I'm looking for a perfect person, perfect person, body banking, waist banking, the God figure eight, um, Coke bottle, whatever thing. They got everything, they have everything all straight up. Right? They don't, they don't, they don't snort in their sleep. They have a cool voice. They sing, they sing like Chris Brown. They move like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Listen, if you keep on looking for the perfect person, you are going to stay there like a hanger with no clothes on it. You're just going to live forever like that. Single. All right? Because here's the thing. Even God not for perfect people for, to, make, to choose his disciples. He chose someone who would literally betray him, sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, not even gold. He would appoint the leader of his church to be someone who, would, who had failed him multiple times. I'm guessing if the disciples were to, were to like vote right, on who, sh- who should be um, the, um, the lead disciple, I'm guessing all of, all, all of them would have voted Peter at the least. Like that guy, no, he talks too much. No, he can't be the person. Like that guy, no, he... Who? Peter? Nah, that can't be Peter. Nah, P- Peter cannot lead this church. No, nah, Peter talks too much. Peter literally cursed. Imagine a Christian saved and sanctified. Christian cursing people out. Like you... F- I can't curse them. But imagine he cursed. He did all of these things. He caught someone here when Jesus was about to go to the cross. Right? He ran away, by the way. He slept on Jesus. And this same guy is going to become the king. I mean, sorry, the, the leader of the church. It's because God doesn't really care about all those mistakes you've performed. But the enemy has been trying to get you so fixated on your, on your errors and what you didn't do well. The enemy has been trying to get you fixated on not doing well. I didn't do well enough. I am not good enough. That enough word. The enemy would... Say, listen. The enemy would have you... So that, when I say the enemy, y'all, the enemy is the devil. I don't care what you say. The enemy is not that friend or that person that, lives, that likes speaking bad about you or that comments bad about your pictures or that, that just does not like you at all, does not greet you, that speaks bad about you, gossips about you, spread bad news about you. That's not the enemy. Although they deserve, they deserve slaps sometimes, but they are not the enemy. 
The devil is the enemy. He's beneath everything that's not working well for you. That's what the enemy is. The devil himself. Sure. Right? I'm not saying... I mean, Jesus... Just literally told Peter one time. He said, um, get behind me, Satan. And I'm guessing if I were Peter, I was like, whoa, 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 bro. Walking for three years now. We've been walking together for three years. So now I'm Satan all of a sudden. <laughs> but the truth is, Jesus was not calling Peter the devil. Because Peter was not the devil. Christ saw that he was, he had the devil following him. In what sense? Because all of us kind of have the devil following him. We call them our demons, but they actually it's the devil. Those things that torment us, those voices in our head that we cannot control, those things that keep on making us make bad decisions, bad choices, those are devils, right? The, Jesus did not just see Peter. He saw those bad things. He saw that devil. And he said, what? Well, get behind me, Satan. Right? Get behind me, Satan. Because we all kind of have our personal demons. I can, if, if, I, if I could open my mind and show you what stuff that goes in here. Even the last minute, couple of minutes I've been preaching, I'm not been, my mind is not shut off. By the way, I've been thinking and seeing none of you This person is not looking. This person is looking at his phone. Heavens, God. I mean, this side goes on in my head. I'm, I'm showing you all some of my demons. And then the enemy is telling me, it means you're preaching crap, bro. It means you're just not doing well. And the enemy will get yourself excited on not enough, not enough, not enough, that you miss out on all that God has given you already. Right? And um, I want to show you something. And this is the plot twist of my sermon. Every sermon I have, I, call, I have something I call a plot twist. And that's what I'm going to my sermon, my sermon title out of, out from, rather. And um, it's a plot twist, or, or you can call it, uh, I forgot the other word. So, um, <laughs> um, before, I, I'll show you, my, I'll show you my, plot, my plot twist in a while. Ah, here's the other word, punchline, right? Punchline, right? Um, I'll show you in, in a while. Um, can you talk us to the book of... Um, John, John chapter 21. This is the last chapter or book we'll be reading today. John chapter 21, right? And um, for the sake of context, let me explain what happens in John 21 real quick, right? So John 21 happens after Jesus died and resurrected. Now, the Bible didn't exactly tell us how many times Jesus appeared to his disciples, but Jesus, the Bible records this one time, right? And um, now Jesus appeared at the lake where um, it was middle of the night and the disciples were trying to fish also. Again, by the way, Peter asked that they go fish and then they went out in the middle of the night to fish. And by the way, it was a repeat. And I said this some Sundays back. It was a repeat of the same events. Because the same, the same, um, um, Bible says it was dawn and I'm guessing it was around, the same, it was around, around about the same time that what happened in Matthew 14 happened. And not, not, not the same day. I mean, the same timing of the day where John chapter 21 happened. And I'm about to read that to you very, very quick. I'm giving you context real quick. So Jesus sees Peter and the other disciples in the boat. And then he comes and like, yeah, like, um, yeah do you have, have y'all caught any fish? And they're like, ah, uh, no. They didn't know it was Jesus anyway. And Jesus is like, okay, you know what? Um, throw your net, your net in the other side of the boat, and you will catch something. And then they did, and they caught great harvest of fishes, right? And uh, and da da da, everything happened. Then when they ha it happened, John, the, the beloved, the one who wrote the book, book of John, turned to Peter and was like, "That's the Lord, right?" Because they remember what had happened in Luke five when he spoke, and then fishes appeared on the sea, right? And then Peter saw that with excitement, he jumped right into the water and swam to Jesus. And then this is what this these are the verses I want to key into, right? Now let's look at verse um 
John chapter 21, right? And I think it's, um, I think it was verse, uh, what's that? I think it was verse, verse, okay, verse 10. Do we have it? Do we have it? John chapter 21 and in verse 10. Okay, he said this. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Verse, 20, uh, verse 11 says, So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. For it was, it was, large, it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Go back, verse 10. Go back, verse 10. I want you all to read that again so it can sink, right? Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So what? So who? Come on, y'all can read it. Can, can we have like, there's another version I think that's bigger than this. Check it. So Simon Peter. Okay, I see that. We have fewer Bibles in the house and more eyes. Glory to God. Verse 10 again. I'll go back to verse 10. It says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter. Simon who? Peter. Simon Peter climbed back into the same boat. The one that sank in Luke 5. Okay? Into the same boat and dragged the net ashore. The same net I broke home. Okay? It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many fishes, the net was not torn. Hmm. Even with so many fishes, the net was not torn. In Luke 5, where we read, it says that it, the, the, the Peter's net tore due to the weight of his fish, of the fishes in his net. Peter's net tore due to the weight of his catch, right? And in John 21, what we just read, Peter's nets didn't break. Not because his not because the number of fishes is in his, um, not because he didn't catch a great number of fish. But here's the thing, and this is the word I'm trying, I feel the Holy Spirit lay on my heart. I feel the Holy Spirit lay on my heart this way, right? Peter's nets didn't break in John 22, 21, right? Not because, not because his catch wasn't heavy enough. Rather, it was because his nets had only gotten strong enough. Do you hear that? I don't think you did. I'm, go I'm, I'm going to repeat that one more time. Pay close attention, full attention, right? Luke's, I'm sorry, Peter's nets broke in Luke 5 due to the weight of his catch. But it didn't break in, in John 22, chapter, chapter 21, not because, not because his, his catch was not heavy enough. It was only because his nets had gotten strong enough. True. Mm -hmm. Come on. His nets had gotten what? Strong, strong enough. enough. It was never recorded that his boat sank in Matthew 14. I mean, in John 21. His boat sank in what? In Luke 5. Because his boat has also, had also gotten what? Strong enough. Peter's nets got, had gotten strong enough. And here's the thing, and this is the point of everything. God made Peter, this is the start of my sermon, by the way, for those of you who have been waiting and hungry for my start of my sermon. God made Peter strong enough. The start of my sermon this evening, strong enough. Y'all are not even clapping. That's what God has been trying to get us to. Strong enough. Strong enough. Because, listen, it, it was the same. By the way, for those who don't know, this is the most mind-blowing fact, right? It was that the same See where Christ met Peter. Aye. The lake of Gennesaret was the same sea Peter sank in in Matthew 14. And that was also the same sea Jesus met Peter in, Ma in John chapter 21. Because with God, listen, with God, it's not about how many places or how many things or how many areas. It's about that one area. God is trying to get you to be strong enough. 
God has been trying to get you to be what? Strong enough. It's not about how many hearers. God has been trying to get you to be what? Strong enough. Over your addictions. God is trying to get you to be what? Strong enough. It's not about how many places. It's not about how many areas. It's about that one place. The same place Peter sank. Twice. His nets sank. I mean his nets broke. But his nets didn't break the last time. Because God has been trying to get him to be what? Strong enough. I feel they're not even strong enough in the room today. It's going to fit everybody. I feel they're not even strong enough in this place today. Strong enough. God has been. Tr- that's what God. That's the, that's our our offering, our giving this year, right? God has been trying to get you to be strong enough. It's not just about listen. And I got to tell you this, right? And this is the most important part of this. Strong enough doesn't mean you don't sink. Listen closely. Strong enough doesn't mean you don't sink. Strong enough doesn't mean you don't doubt. Remember I preached this sermon some months ago because I resumed from my sabbatical in September. I said this. I said, tough does not equal strong. Yeah. Tough will build a wall around himself. Right? But strong will cry out when he needs help. And that's the most beautiful part of... And that was what God showed me in Matthew 14 when we read earlier. Can we go back to Matthew 14, 30? There's something I want to show you there that was mind-blowing to me. Can we go back there real quick? Y'all would we'll, we'll soon wrap up and everybody will soon go home and all that. All that. Go and have fun. Whatever thing you want, you want to do. Eat chicken or eat the chips. Um, can we have verse 30? Yeah, that's it. Now, go, verse 19 says this. Look at verse 29 rather says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he, no, go back, go back. But when he, no. Yeah, that's it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He cried out. Strong enough knows when to cry out. Okay. Are, we, are you getting this? Uh-huh. Strong enough knows when to cry out. Tough would act like you doesn't need help. And God has not been... I didn't, title, I didn't say our, our giving this year was going to be tough enough. No. I said strong enough. Because strong enough even has his weakest moments. I mean, Elijah called rain fire down from heaven. Was running from, from Jezebel the next day. Not because he wasn't, not because he wasn't strong. Because even strong people have their weak, weak moments. Right? And strong people, if people who are strong enough, right, they know when to cry out for help. And by the way, I've been saying, I've been saying, uh, uh, I've been saying strong, not because I'm not saying, I'm not talking about absolute faith here. Right? It's not absolute faith. It's not about having 100% strength. Right? It's just having enough confidence that overshadows your doubts. Yeah, listen to this. It's having enough confidence in yourself, enough courage, bigger than your doubts. Peter's, Peter had a great, a heavy catch of fishes, but that was not strong enough to catch his boat. I mean, to, to, to break his nets, I mean, because his nets had gotten what? Strong enough. Come and say it with me. So everybody say it one time with so much energy in your, in your voices, with everybody standing on their feet. Everybody say it with me. Strong enough. Strong enough. Say strong enough. Strong enough. Say I am going to be, going to be strong, enough. strong enough. Not tough. Not tough. Strong, enough. Strong, enough. Not tough. Not tough. strong enough. Strong enough. Strong enough. Strong enough knows when to cry out. Strong enough knows when he needs help. Strong enough knows when he strong. Strong enough does not act like he has got it all figured out. No. No, no. That's, that's what tough people do. They act like they got it all figured out. 
A strong, a strong person who is strong enough knows when, he, when, when to break down in tears. But some of you have been doubting God. You've been doubting Jesus. Hey, it's fine. God does not run away because you doubt him. God is not embarrassed. God is not ashamed of you because you doubt him. God is not a, even sometimes some, some of you God has spoken certain things over you and now you're not you don't even believe it anymore right God is not ashamed he's not disappointed actually I think it was last year or this year one of, I think it was one of the critical points of my depression I was praying one night and my sister walked, walked up to me in my room and she said um, first of all she interrupted I should have slapped her but I didn't I don't anyway I don't slap my sister but she um, she said um she said the Holy Spirit. I said she said sorry. The story I disturbed. I'm like yeah yeah you did. And she was like um the Holy Spirit asked me to um tell you something. I was like okay it's the Holy Spirit. Let's hear out. And she was like the Holy Spirit said to tell you, no matter what you do, I will never be disappointed in you. You remember that? She said no matter what you do, I will never be disappointed in you. And that was all the relief I needed. I've been feeling so much so much burden on my on my shoulders. Just like, just like, just like Peter, the burden in our boat is so much. We've been sinking. We got so many things to handle. We got school, we got family, we got this, we got that, we got relationship, and everything is just weighing in on our boats. Listen, God is not going to eliminate. Listen, Christ could have stopped the wind before he walked over it, but he didn't. That's not the point. God, my, God will not always silence the trouble. And faith, faith is not the absence of fear or strife or storms. Faith is strong enough yes. to bear the burdens of the fishes in the boat, strong enough. To bear the burdens of the fishes in the net, strong enough. Faith is what everybody say with me, strong enough. enough. God is trying to get you to be strong enough. Amen. Strong enough. God, you ready to be strong, strong enough. enough. We're ready to be what? Just want you to say under your breath, say, I will be, I will be strong, enough. strong enough. Okay, that's even future. Let's not even talk about future. Let's talk about right now. Say, I am, I am strong enough. enough. Y'all are saying that so weak. Like, I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Say, I am, I am strong, enough. strong enough. That's still weak. That's medium. All right, we're, we're going top max. All right, that's the next system. Say, I am, I am strong, enough. strong enough. I am, I am strong, enough. strong enough. Listen, it's the same boat. It's the same doubt. It's the same relationship. It's the same thing. Only that you have gotten stronger. Say, listen, and this is one thing. This is one thing I love about, about church on Sundays. And this is why I love going to church on Sundays. I start preaching. I love being in church on Sundays. Because often, we, sometimes we kind of like create this partition between Sunday service and our weekday issues. Alright? But here's the thing. The reason you come to church on Sunday is so you can get strong enough. Because here's the thing. You pray, you're praying to God. But God will not necessarily take the bad part of your life. God won't give you new friends. You got crappy ones. God won't always change your friends. God won't always change your relationship. If you're married, you're married forever. <laughs> God won't always change the wife or the husband or the bad person or the job. God won't even change your boss. He would only make you what? He won't change the thing in your boat. It's the same content. It's the same issue you're walking back to tomorrow. You're walking into whatever thing. You got crazy people in your life. You are still going to meet them tomorrow. They're not going to evaporate because you met God today. They're still going to be there tomorrow. Only that you're meeting them different because you are going to be what? Strong enough. Come on, say that with me, everybody. Strong enough. Everybody say that one last time. Everybody with a loud shout. And I want you to clap as, loud, as hard as you can after that. All right? Yeah. Clap and shout for joy as loud as you can. Even if you've got no energy and no, no power in your vocal cords, the Holy Spirit is going to make you strong enough. Right? Are you ready? All right. 
You shout strong enough, you clap and you shout for joy. Yeah. Right? Because you're celebrating not your weak moments. Because you're, you're celebrating the strength that comes from weak places. Right? There's a strength that comes from weak places. You cannot explain it. There's a joy that comes from sorrow. You cannot explain it. There's a praise that comes from pain. You really cannot explain it either. And this is that kind of moment, right? You have no idea what you're shouting. Am I, am I crazy? But no, don't, you're not crazy. You're only drawing strength from moments like this. Are you already? Yeah. Together. Yeah. Together. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Say, I will be. I will be. Oh, sorry. I forgot. I'm talking about future or past. That's fantasy. That's fiction. We're talking about right now. Say, I am. I am. I am. I am. Strong enough. Come on, give God a big shot. Hey, this message bless you in any way. I need you to do a couple of things for me. One, join our online grace community. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Teacher Global. On YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the bell icon to know when we post a video on you. Like this video, comment what spoke to you, what transformed something inside of you. Two, share this message with your friends, your families, even your enemies. Three, pray by giving and whatever God lays in your heart to give. Do so by hitting the link in the description below. Hey, go out, be transformed and be thou enlightened. God bless you. We love you.